Welcome back to the Fit CFO Show. I'm your host, Amanda Hanquist, and together with my husband, Sean, we created this podcast as a way to help you reach your business's financial goals. We will break down common financial myths and mistakes in business and share with you the tools and knowledge to take your business to the next level. Our hope is that you'll become financially equipped for success in your business and in turn help our mission to make this world a healthier place. If you get valuable information out of this podcast, we just ask that you please share it with your audience and leave us a review so that we can continue to grow and help health and fitness businesses succeed. Today on the show, I have a chat with Sarah Waldbuser, founder of Destination Legal. Destination Legal is empowering business owners to legally protect their passion. If you are a business owner who cares deeply about their business, this is an episode you won't want to miss. This is the Fit CFO Show. Sarah, I so appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining me. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. I am so excited to talk to Sarah today because this is such a huge part of our business and very much like Fit CFO, it's not the exciting part. Sorry to say, Sarah, but you know that. <laughs> No um, offense taken. <laughs> um, you know, kind of like finance. It's it's one of the most important things that can literally be a detriment to your business if not taken care of correctly. So we're gonna get into all of that today. But first of all, like you know, destination legal. That is a cool name. I love the brand. What compelled you? Obviously, you're an attorney, so that's something that you have known and been into for quite some time because of we all know that takes a while. What compelled you to get into this whole online space with you know contracts and trademarking and copywriting, which we're going to get into all of that, but what where did destination legal come from? Where did it start? Yeah, great question. So, you know. I've been an attorney for gosh, like going on 18 years now, which is crazy. Um, But I actually really did not like being a lawyer. So I started out my career in Washington, DC at a traditional law firm as an associate. And I knew pretty much within the first year that this was not the path for me. I was not uh i didn't want to be in the corner office i didn't want to be working 80 hours a week i didn't like billing my time in 15 minute increments oh my gosh just yeah yeah, it was just not the path i saw for myself so i started you know looking around and thinking about my passions and a, a big one has always been travel which will come into the destination legal name in a little bit um And so I started looking for careers where I could help people. I had an interest in women and women's health and travel. And so this led me to actually go back to school and get my master's in public health. And so from there, with kind of a dual law degree and public health degree, I spent the next kind of, you know, section of my career working in international global health from a legal perspective. I won't dive into it now, but I was doing things like biosurveillance and disease surveillance and uh, things like preparing other countries' health systems in the case of a pandemic, which we we never thought would come and obviously did. And so, um, you know, I got to travel all throughout Africa and Asia and the Middle East. And it was a really interesting time. But when I wasn't traveling, I was sitting in you know an office windowless office in dc writing reports for 
the Defense Department and the State Department that I'm sure never got read, right? And so <laughs> right. even though I was supposedly living my dream job, I was really unhappy. And, um, you know, about 10 years ago now, I was started Googling, like, work while you travel, travel while you work. And I found this podcast uh, started by these two dudes who were running a business and living in Bali from their laptop. And I was just oh like... Gosh what is this? This is the thing. People are doing this. And I started listening to that podcast to and from work uh, every day on my walk yeah. and hearing about different types of businesses and all of this stuff. And about six or you know seven months into that, they advertised that they were offering a two-week workshop in an island in the Philippines to learn how to start an online business. And, you know, oh, okay. I'm let me ask you when this was. So Wait. this was 2012. Okay. So this was so, before like everybody and their dog was a business coach. Exactly. This was like the beginning. That's why yep. running your business from a laptop, this was like people, if you said digital nomad or location independent, people had no idea what you were talking about. Yep. And so I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. I like quit my job. I cashed in my 401k and I went to an island in the Philippines and started my first business, which was called the bootstrap lawyer. And, you know, I actually really fought this because I was like, I don't, I didn't like being a lawyer in the traditional sense. Like, I don't really know if this is for me. Um, so I launched that, got some work, but it, it really wasn't fitting well. Um, so the next few years were me kind of figuring out things. I was a consultant. I opened an e-commerce store. I, uh, bought a one-way ticket to Thailand and spent 15 months kind of traveling around. And what I found was as soon as any of these other online business owners found out I was a lawyer, they started asking questions. What's a privacy policy? I need a contract. Can you help me? And so slowly, 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 I gave in. Um, and that's kind of how Destination Legal was born. Eventually, I moved back to the States and um, found the coaching world. I found health coaches and life coaches and business coaches. And by that time, it was 2016. And like things were really starting to pop. And so, um, you know, destination legal was born from my love of travel, but also being the destination on the internet for other coaches and online business owners wanting to get their their legal set. And so, uh, we help coaches and online business owners get everything that they need for their businesses. We have a digital template shop with downloadable contracts and privacy policies and terms. And then I also do registered trademarks. So that is kind of the journey of of DL. I love it. So, so many things to like unpack there. So I, first of all, I've always heard, and I, there's so much truth to this, that oftentimes our purpose finds us. And it sounds to me like you were, you're clawing and searching and just whatever the heck you could find that was not in a, you know, windowless office of, you know, wasting your life away, doing reports and, this whole thing found you. And that's amazing. I wish I would have known about you back when I had um, first started my online businesses, because I was literally Googling, like, where do I get these contracts? Like, I don't want to walk into some 
like 72 year old attorney's office, tell him what I do, have him look at me like I'm completely nuts that I have this online business and that I just need some contracts written up. Yeah. Right. And I need privacy policy for my website. I, you know, these little things. And it's like, I don't want to go into my, you know, uh, attorney's office who helped me create my will 10 years ago. And <laughs> he has no Ex idea what I do. Exactly. You know, it's so true. And I'm sure, you know, this happens with you as well, but like, it's, it's sort of my, I feel like it's my job to make legal less scary, right? Like yeah. you're making finances less scary. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like the traditional 72 year old lawyer sitting in office. I don't like giant attorney's fees and not knowing pricing and hourly and all that. And that's why these you know, that's why I came up with the template shop so that more people could be protected yeah. because that's the real goal and the real mission is to make sure as many people as possible have their contracts in place or legally protected because then they're more confident, they're doing what they love. And, I, you know, the bottom line is I think the more of us that are happy in doing businesses that we love, like the better off we all are. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, so yeah. And I love too, that you have this website and I'm going to link all your stuff in here and I have a million questions that I want to ask, but you do have this website where you literally can go to it and purchase contracts and literally get a bundle and have what you need, you know, taken care of for you, which is so cool that you can do that. But I just feel like a lot of times a traditional, you know, attorney, they, don't understand. It's it's kind of like going into your traditional account accountant's office. Like it's almost like we don't have a real job, this online world, right? And there's this whole online world where people are making real money at a substantial level. It is a real job, but um, we want to be treated like that too. And so I think that you've definitely created a product for that. So, but I want to get into, I love um, like protect your passion. And so let's get into that a little bit. We started off by talking about contracts. So let's go ahead and dive into that. I have seen situations where someone has a coaching business. Um, you know, a lot of times we work with in the health and fitness industry. And so we're going to, um, you know, narrow our focus there, but maybe that client um, that you've been working with for a while had a bad experience. Maybe they paid a large sum upfront to work for a certain period of time. And they have decided that they're going to go ahead and mm, I didn't quite get what I wanted from that coach. I didn't, maybe I didn't lose the weight. Maybe they didn't think that they got their end of the bargain and they decide to pull their money back, right? They go to their bank and they're like, give them all these excuses and, and decide that what I've paid that coach, I want back. And then they go into basically Stripe goes in and takes the money out of that coach's account. And you can dispute that, but that can take upwards of 90 days, maybe longer sometimes to just maybe find out you didn't have your paperwork in order and you're basically, sorry, you're out of luck. So what are, um, so that's just one example. Have you seen that what is the best way to prevent something of that sort? Having a contract in place, like number one. Yes, I see this all the time. In fact, someone just emailed me a couple of days ago and actually it was the reverse. This was someone that had paid $10,000 for a mastermind. They weren't happy with it um, and, and were trying to dispute it. And actually they weren't able to because there was no contract in place. There was no agreement like, you know, Stripe, or the credit card company wasn't really listening to them. So they weren't even able to do a chargeback. You know, mm. if you're able to, if someone tries that against you, your best 
defense is a solid contract and, you know, outlining the terms of what you're providing, especially in the health and wellness industry, you know, there are no guarantees, right? There's no guarantees your clients are going to lose weight. There's no guarantee your clients are going to feel better. So making sure you have those disclaimers and limitation of liability is really your best defense because you can go to Stripe or wherever and say, this is a signed contract. This is what I delivered, you know, as much evidence as you can present. And I've, I've definitely seen coaches win and get the money back, even if the client tried. So um, really having that contract in place is, is your safety net. Yep. Yep. And I come from the insurance world. I don't know if you know my background, but I had a, a large insurance agency that I sold before having my online coaching business and, um, grew that very large as well. But ultimately I, new just from being in the insurance world disclaimers are huge anything in the finance industry we're all about disclaimers we're all about covering our butts we're all about taking really good notes on things right covering our tracks like we just do that and so luckily i did that and so if there ever was a situation where heaven forbid somebody didn't feel they got what they deserved i was able to say hey well you didn't check in for three weeks in a row you didn't do the X, Y, Z, right? You didn't hold up your end of things. And so how was my program supposed to work? Here's what you signed, right? And so having those things, having that documentation in order can help tremendously. Yeah. And I think there is, as you were kind of saying before, like this uh, thought that if you're in the online space, you're not doing real business, quote, real business, Mm -hmm. but you are, and this is real money. And so you need real contracts, right? You're not going to go buy a car, buy a house or sign your kid up for summer camp without signing something. And the same is here and on both parties, right? Like if you're a client and about to pay a coach and they don't hand over a contract, that's a huge red flag, right? So whether you're agreeing to terms online or having something signed, like you want to make sure it's for both parties. It's to protect both of you. Yeah. 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 And I completely agree with that because there you, and you made a good point there. There is, there are a lot of quote unquote air quotes here, experts out there that know it all. Right. And how do you know whether you're getting somebody let's take business coaching, for example, because everybody's a business coach now. And how do you know that you're getting a legitimate business coach versus somebody that is literally just going to take your money? Yes, because coaching is an unregulated industry. Anyone can do it. Anyone can start a certification program. Any, you know, like this, you know, it is kind of the wild, wild west. Eventually, maybe coaching will be regulated, but it certainly isn't right now. So you as the client really need to do some due diligence to make sure that you're protecting yourself and your investment. Yeah. Do you see that's what I was going to ask, just out of my own curiosity, do you see that um, coming down the pipe where there will be more regulations coming into play? I, I am starting to see it. There's kind of whisperings about it over in the UK. I think trying to do it in the US is such a beast. I, I don't know how they're even going to attempt, but I think with with AI coming up and, you know, I think more eyes kind of on the online world that eventually something, I just don't know how much they're going to be able to do. Yeah. 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 Because it's such a vast thing and it grew so quickly. Yeah. 
Because like you said, like 2012 wasn't even a thing. 2016, it was starting to go nuts. And now 2023, it's freaking huge. Yeah. In 2012, if you had asked someone what an online attorney was or what a virtual law firm or, or attorney or even an online, online coach. Yeah. It just, it didn't, it didn't exist. And so no. when you think about it that way, how quickly things changed, but I do think I, you know, I think COVID also sped this oh, along yeah. yep. because of so many people wanting to move online. We saw a huge uptick in, you know, yoga teachers, Pilates, Reiki, personal trainers, fitness, nutrition, right. wanting to move online because of COVID. And so well, I think gyms, a lot of that will continue to grow. Well, and gyms just straight up closing down, like people not even being allowed to go into the gym, which is absolutely, was insane. That's a whole right. different subject, but let's talk about some examples of, I want to kind of get into just some practices in general. So like examples of negligence, misinterpretation, or like fraudulent practices when it comes to online coaching. Um, I guess, what are some common examples that you see? And then um, what are some of the ways that coaches can protect themselves from this? Yeah. You know, I think people actually, in terms of coaches marketing themselves are pretty aware that they shouldn't be making promises um, or any guarantees like that. You know, we see it so much on TV and with weight loss, like this is, you know, with Weight Watchers or SlimFast or whatever, like results not guaranteed. This is yeah. not a normal example. And so I think a lot of people in the wellness space are kind of aware that they need to be careful with that. Um, so I think just in the marketing and then you know, making sure that you have the disclaimers. I think a lot of it is people just don't know what they don't know. And yeah. so I get people coming to me that might have a contract, but then not realize that they also need website terms to protect their blog and the newsletter and the other information that they're putting out there. And so I wouldn't say it's so much as like people are, you know, negligent. They're just, they're uninformed. And so once they get informed, then it's up to them to kind of make the choice to protect themselves and protect their passions, I would say. Um, but I think it's, you know, there is kind of just a checklist of what you need legally in place as you grow your business and then just making sure that you have it and that you have it from a good source, right? That you're not piecing it together. You're not Googling it. You're not borrowing it from your coach. Like Lord, you're not asking chat GPT for it, right? Just like <laughs> making sure that you're getting your legal from a source that you trust and that knows your industry. I think those are the top ways because if you don't and something does go wrong, your client gets physically, mentally, financially injured, they could come at you for negligence, for not doing something correctly. And so that's really how you can protect yourself. And you brought up a really good point there. Like, let's say that I got a contract um, from an attorney for my particular coaching business and my friend Sally like wants to copy it. What are the ramifications of something like that? Yeah. So, well, there's two big ones. One is it's copyright infringement. So not a great idea because then you copyright and... infringement from an attorney. First of all. <laughs> yeah. So then you and Sally could both get in trouble and copyright infringement is kind of, you know, there's no defense if you're caught and even if you didn't realize it, you could still be fined. And so um, that's no good. But the other is when you borrow something like that, even if it was drafted, 
you know, by an attorney and you trust it, you, we don't know that it works for Sally's business, right? So, and Sally doesn't know, again, what she doesn't know. And so she'll never feel 100% protected because she doesn't exactly know what should be in there, what shouldn't be in there right. and things like that. So, so those are kind of the two big reasons why you definitely don't want to be borrowing or taking contracts from other people. Just like, you know, copy pasting your name in there versus theirs and your state or whatever. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge point because I, I, I feel like, you know, our businesses are similar, but they're different too. And our offerings are different. Our programs, lengths of time, et cetera. And all of those are, you know, information within those contracts too. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about disclaimers, website things. Um, I just want to make sure we're kind of touching on all cylinders here. Just in the finance world, we, we, we like disclaim everything, right? Like we have disclaimers on our podcast. We have disclaimers on our emails, like everything. Um, but as far as, you know, a health and wellness coach or in this industry, um, as far as like their website goes, privacy policy, terms and conditions, like what all do we have on the website? What all do we need to have in that space? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, our website is our, our business storefront, right? Mm -hmm. And anytime you're putting information out on the internet, whether it's through a video, a blog, a newsletter, you're opening yourself up to liability. Somebody could take that information, misinterpret it, and again, become mentally, physically, financially injured and come back and blame you. So your website needs its own terms of service, could also be called terms of use, different than what you might, your terms of purchase for your course or your membership site or your one-on-one -on -one contract, specifically for your website and kind of the things around it, your newsletter, um, things like that. So your website terms of service outline exactly how your website can and can't be used, meaning this in, is information only, education only. Um, you know, you can't take this blog post and put it on your own website, right? Copyright right. infringement, things like that. Yeah, yeah. But the, and, and those disclaimers as well. You know, sometimes people have separate disclaimers. Sometimes they're included in the terms of service. The main thing is that they're there. And again, this is not professional advice, medical advice. You know, this is for your information only, especially in health and wellness. If you're putting out videos, you know, teaching yoga or how to lift weights, or here's a recipe for a green smoothie, you know, all of that is opening your yourself up to liability. And then a privacy policy is legally required, right? And so, um, you know, whereas terms of service and disclaimers are really protecting business owners from visitors, sure. privacy policy is what protects them from you as the business owner. It basically says, you know, as a business owner, I'm collecting your email, I'm collecting personal information, but I am doing everything I can to keep it secure. I'm not going to sell it. I'm not going to give it away. But yes, I might be using tracking signals and pixels and things like that. And so in the US, Canada, EU, UK, Australia, you know, this is legally required. And if you don't have it, your site can be fined. So um, that's, you know, those are kind of the key things to have on your website. And then as your business grows, you're going to need different contracts. So, you know, we've talked a bit about one-on-one -on -one contracts, 
super important, typically the first and most important contract that you're going to have in your business. But then as you grow, you might have a group program or you might be doing online classes or a membership or a course. And that's when you need terms of purchase. And the main difference between terms of purchase and a one-on-one -on -one contract is that typically a one-on-one -on -one would be signed, whether you're using Panadoc or HelloSign or one of those things. And then Terms of purchase can be agreed to when someone's checking out. So by clicking check here, that box underneath exactly. their credit card information. And yeah. that exists because if you have a membership or, or a course, hopefully you're getting thousands of people in there and it wouldn't make sense to have them all, you know, sign something sign through something. that. So um, that exists for that. And then, you know, as you grow, if you're hosting a retreat, if you're hiring team members, my rule of thumb is basically anytime you are paying somebody or getting paid, you want to make sure to have a contract in place. Yeah, that's a really good point you bring up, especially with um, hiring contractors, because any any kind of money exchange, it's important, right? And so, um, let, yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. Um, employment, right? Like we, a lot of times we, we don't consider a contractor as, um, I think in this space, we do maybe glorify the contractor as employees, probably a little more than other spaces. Um, but do we always have the right contracts in place? Am I having my, um, administrative assistant sign the same contract as somebody that's assisting me with coaching and what should be the differences there between who I'm hiring? Maybe I'm hiring a website developer. Maybe I'm hiring somebody to video edit. Um, you know, let's, ex let's talk about the differences in those contracts. Yeah. And that's a great question. And so there are, especially in the online space, there are so many different types of contractors that we're hiring. And that's why something like a template, you know, like that we sell is great because it allows you to customize it specifically for the job, right? So a copywriter yep. would be different than a web designer. They're going to have different deliverables and different timelines and things like that. But as you brought up, and this is becoming more common, if you're hiring a support coach or someone that's helping you and your clients, that is a different contract because yeah. they're doing, they're more in your business, they're doing different things. And so, you know, about a year ago, I created a support coach template, which wasn't there before because people weren't really using support coaches and now yeah. they are. And so, you know, what's nice about Destination Legal is like we are evolving along with our people as well. Yeah. Um, you're and seeing the changes. And this is what your 72 year old attorney with this cherry oak desk are not going to realize. Like the, you know, this space changes so quickly. And if, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, because the financial space is very much like a dinosaur too, but they don't exactly catch up with the times very quickly. Exactly. Like online space moving. And so yes. the fact that you understand that everybody has an AC now in their coaching business and we need to have a contract, you know, a legitimate contract for that. It's very important. Yeah. The law, similar law is always behind technology. And that's, what's nice. You know, when, at, when COVID hit, we, we updated our retreat contracts to include giant COVID waivers and clauses, mm -hmm. something yep. that we wouldn't have thought to put in there before that. Right. And so, yeah. Um, what's nice is that that stuff is kind of evolving as, as we evolve too. Wow. And you just said, so like that's becoming a thing too, is having retreats. Let's talk about that a little bit, because that's kind of a newer thing that a lot more people are doing like a destination retreat to have like 
um, you know, mastermind locations or having like their uh, business coaching clients have them out for a three-day event or this or that. Yeah. And these, you know, are wonderful. I've been on them. I think they're great, but wow, as the business owner, you, your liability is just huge. It's way more obviously than anything that would, would happen online. Why? Because you're in person. And so there's just a, a bigger chance of some kind of, of accident. So some of the things that I think about, which other people don't, but you know, as an attorney, it's my job to think about those. What ifs, Yeah. you know, if you're hosting a retreat in Costa Rica and you rented out a bus for everyone and the bus gets in an accident and three people end up in the hospital, like who's paying for that? Yeah. Or if you're hosting a yoga retreat in Arizona and you know, someone slips over and sprains their ankle, who's paying for that? If you, you know, you're having a pool party in Vegas and one of your retreat members decides to steal everyone's laptops and run away, like who's paying for that, right? So there's just a lot of these scenarios that, you know, 98% of the time aren't going to happen, but 2% they are, right? I'm cracking up because I come from the insurance world. And so I'm always thinking about what (laughs) if, what if, what if, and, but I'm like, (laughs) has she had some of these experiences? Because I feel like when it came to like certain crazy, unique claims, it's like, I knew of these examples because of going through some of these examples. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. So, you know, it's just, it is, and with retreats, you know, the payment refund issues are, are huge too, because what if, you know, someone pulls out two days before and you've, you know, you're on the line with deposits and things like that. And so sometimes people get pregnant and sometimes people die and they need to go to funerals, like things pop up, but making sure that you have a solid contract solid payment refund policies in place for your retreat is really important. Well, and I've even heard of um, the host of the events having to prepay the hotel room venues. And that, that would be huge and almost detrimental to the profit of that event. And, and maybe you're not necessarily trying to profit, but you're, you definitely don't want to lose your butt entirely too. Exactly. Yeah. So not only, you know, liability purposes, but also, you know, financial protection as well. Yes, absolutely. Well, I, this has been amazing so far. Um, I hope everybody's getting a lot of great value from this. Um, Maybe you and I are a little more excited than the typical person. However, (laughs) (laughs) Um, this has been great, but I wanted to talk a little bit. I just found out something that I found out was so interesting. Um, so when Sean and I talk about uh, a certified financial planner, that term is we have to disclose. We have to put the TM symbol behind it. But when we have CFP, we have to put the little R with the circle around it, right? And so there's differentiations there. And I never truly understood why. I, I just knew that I had to do one versus the other when it was spelled out versus not spelled out. Um, So let's talk about the difference between trademark and copyright. Maybe everybody already knew it. Maybe I was living under a rock, but I thought that was very enlightening. Yeah. So, you know, these are two forms of intellectual property protection and people get them confused all the time because it is confusing. But copyright is basically a way to protect your content. So anything that you are putting out into the world in terms of content, art, music, things like that is all protected through copyright. So in the online space, that's gonna be blog posts, courses, books, eBooks, 
videos, anything like that. And copyright law is automatic, right? So you write something, you own it, it's yours. Someone else can't just come and take it and do what they want with it. Now it happens in the, you know, on the internet, people are taking pictures and posts and things like that. And you hear um, that all the time. Like so-and-so literally took my, uh, course and mirrored yes. it for their own or something. Exactly. Like Which, you know, karmically, that's a whole other topic. I don't get how people are doing that, but from a legal perspective, there's a couple things you can do when that happens. One is, you know, social media and other companies have pretty good copyright infringement, um, you know, processes in place. You reach out to them. Hey, this is my image or my post or my course. You need to take it down. And often they will. You can send a cease and desist letter to whoever has stolen it. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the threat of anything more legal will be enough to get someone to take that down. And then you can also actually register your copyright with the government. And then if someone does steal it, you can bring a claim for copyright infringement and sue them and automatically get some amount of money. So, you know, you're not gonna do that for everything, but you might do it for a book or a signature course or an ebook, cause then you actually do have some recourse and it doesn't take that long. It's not that difficult. You don't need an attorney to do it, but you're not gonna do that all the time. Yeah. Um, and so that protects you there. And then, you know, you just wanna make sure as the business owner, that you're not doing that. And where this really happens a lot is with images. Like yeah. just don't use images that you don't have permission to. If you know, pay for the stock photo license, make sure it's, you know, if you're if it's royalty free and all of that. But if you use someone someone's images, someone's image that is copyrighted, there are attorneys that are like doing this for a living. They're finding people that are using these images and sending them letters to get money from them. And as I said earlier, with copyright infringement, there's, you can't say, oh, I didn't know, or, oh, my VA did it. Like you have to pay. I've known people that have had to pay thousands of dollars. Yeah. Mm. So that's copyright. And then trademark is what protects your brand. So your business name, your signature course name, your logo, your retreat name, your, you know, if you develop the name of a product, basically anything that you're selling, um, can be protected by trademark. And it's a way to distinguish who's producing that. So, you know, if you, if I am walking down the street with a coffee cup and there's a green circle on it, like, you know, that that's Starbucks, right? If I have a tennis yeah. shoe with a swoosh on it, you know, that that's Nike. If Reebok tried to put a swoosh on their shoe, they would be in trouble, right? That's what trademarking does. And in the online space, you know, people really are sweeping up trademarks and it's helping build their brand. So if you look at like Marie Forleo, she has seven or eight trademarks. Everything is figure outable, the copy cure, you know, all her courses um, and people are, are trademarking because they want to control the narrative. So what the trademark allows you to do is to decide within your industry who can or can't use the name. So, you know, it is industry specific because if you look at like Dove Chocolate and Dove Shampoo, those are both mm. trademarked, but you're not gonna be confused, right? Like if I was yeah. like, I had the best piece of Dove today, it was so good. You're hopefully gonna know that I'm not talking about shampoo, right? Right, right, right. Um, and so, you know, trademark, when someone owns a trademark, they get to use the R with the circle. That means they've registered it, they own it, and they get to decide. The TM really actually has no legal 
power to it. It's basically saying, I intend to trademark. I might be in the process of trademarking. I'm kind of saying to the world, hey, I own this trademark, but it isn't until you have the R that you actually do. And you know, trademarking is a, a longer process. It can take a year or more. It is something where you would want to use a trademark attorney. It's very nuanced. There's 45 different classes of services and goods that you can file for. You have to prepare an application, a specimen, like all of this kind of stuff. Um, but they're really powerful. And you know, I have four. Um, I have clients that are on seven, eight, and nine. It can be addicting because once you kind of see that and uh, it's really, it's awesome. And then, you know, it makes you seem a bit more legit, right? When you have yeah. that R behind your business name, your clients and potential customers are like, oh, she's serious. Yeah. And, and two, like if you, another thing that could be a value is I know that there's a lot of like certifications out there and things like that. And if you ever want to get to the point where you want to sell your brand or sell your business someday, um, how much more powerful that would be if you did have a registered trademark versus it non-registered. A hundred percent. And if you want to sell 99% of the time it's you're going to need the trademark like yeah. to make your business really attractive and with certifications you bring up a great point as well it's really important to have the trademark because then that allows you to actually license out the name to the people that you're certifying if you're like hey I if you take my X certification then you're an X certification coach but if you don't own the X then there's no what does that do? Someone else could come in and all yeah. of a sudden there's 8,000 X coaches and it really doesn't mean anything. Right. Right. Yeah. That's such a great point that you bring up there. Well, and we already talked about copyright infringement. That was literally my next question, but we got into that already. So that's been absolutely amazing. Um, man, this wasn't like a literally a packed episode. I didn't realize we were going to have so many like hit home points here. Is there anything that you want our listeners to really like hit home with as far as, you know, your whole thing is protecting your passion, which I love. I love that statement that you make uh, with a lot of your, you know, your um, branding and awareness. Is there anything else that our listeners need to be aware of or that, you know, the point that you really want to drive home? Yeah. And, you know, thank you. And protect your passion actually is my registered trademark. Love it. Um, yeah. I think, you know, legal, you may run into this too, but legal can be a mindset issue. And so for the business owners out there, I just urge you to, you know, treat your business like a business from the beginning. You never know, you know, you want to go into this knowing you're going to succeed. And part of that is making sure that you're building your business on a strong foundation, which includes not only legal, but financial too. And then from the other side, I promise you, because I know this, people tell me this all the time. Once you have your legal in place, you will feel better. You will feel more confident and empowered to grow your business. And so instead of letting legal, you know, seem scary and intimidating, I urge you to, to flip the narrative and think about how awesome it is to have a toolbox that can help you be protected and really protect your passion and your business. I love it. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being on today. You're welcome. Thank you. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications so that you don't miss a beat. 
We'd love it if you'd share this podcast, your Instagram story, your Facebook page, or any of your other social media platforms so that we can help other health and fitness entrepreneurs out there succeed in business. We so appreciate you listening in. And until next time, keep your goals high, but keep each step attainable. Oh, 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 oh